Hey friends, hope you've been well. I've taken a little bit of an extended break because I'm in the middle of a, a pretty intense time with work, which is sort of what I wanted to talk to you about today. I figure since my brain has just been in full work mode the last couple weeks, um, that's, that's all I've been thinking about. And I've never really taken the time to talk about being an entrepreneur on this channel. So figured let's do that and get settled in because I just have a feeling, I don't know that this is gonna be a long video, but I have a feeling that I might get a little bit chatty. Oh, reheated coffee, mm, microwave flavor. I think in some ways I have a little bit of a haphazard approach to life. It's not that I don't have a sense of direction or um, I just kind of do things randomly, but uh, I feel like when I look back on my trajectory, it's very much a one thing led to another and whoa, am I here? That's interesting. I never really would have predicted that for myself. I'm not someone who has a like a like a map. You know, some people are like, I'm going to be a doctor and then they're a doctor and then they do that. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of linear and it's very predicted and planned. I feel like nothing about my um, my business journey has been planned. It's kind of just been a series of events that of like logical next steps, basically. So I have been officially, I guess, an entrepreneur since 2014. Um, this is not when I started dabbling with, with entrepreneurship and building online businesses and things like that, but that's when I actually like fully um, was no longer an employee. 2014 was the very last time I was ever an employee. So 2014 was the year that I, um, I lived in Toronto that year. I just graduated from culinary school and I was working in a vegan um, catering kitchen. It was a cool job uh, for someone else. It wasn't really a cool job for me, but I did it a little while. And uh, then in a fit of basically uh, despair or you know millennial angst or something like that, my entitled uh, don't want to be an employee sense of self, I quit and uh, had to scramble to figure out how to make money. So what I did is I ended up like putting up flyers for being a private piano teacher. I was basically like, I'll come to your house and teach you piano. And I knew that as soon as I could get in someone's door, I would be able to build a rapport with them, um, build a sense of like trust because I'm not like a, like a weird, <laughs> I'm a weird person, but I'm not like a weird person. If you know what I mean? I feel like it's, uh, if, if you're on Craigslist or Kijiji looking for a piano teacher, there's probably a lot of like weird people that you have to sort through. So I figured my one advantage, even if I didn't have like the most impressive credentials is that I could be like a, like a, nice, normal, friendly person that someone could trust their children with, which uh, ended up working quite well to my advantage. I ended up um, filling up my schedule. I had a whole bunch of students throughout Toronto and I would drive to their houses and that worked great. So that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. It was basically just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I got my own students. I figured it out myself and um, I had to figure out how to invoice everyone and stuff like that. But fortunately, I had taught at a music school previous to that. So I think between the years, I think around 2006 to um, 20, 2012, I worked at a music school. And not only did I teach through the music school, but I also worked as an administrative person. I don't even know what that job title would be. Uh, I don't know why uh, I was an office person. I'm probably not very good at it, but it was fun. I actually, because uh, I, I grew up going to this music school, so I knew everyone. So working at the desk was no big deal to me. It didn't really feel like work. Um, it could be just because I knew everyone. It was like a chill music school and store. Like there was no, uh, 
it didn't feel like an office job. It kind of just felt like a place where I could chat with um, my uh, fellow teachers and, you know, parents who I was familiar with and stuff like that. It was just like a nice, it was a nice office job. But I learned some really important things about running a business just from being on the admin side. I learned about, um, you know, creating invoices and how the teachers dealt with payments and, and things like that. So I already had kind of an inside knowledge uh, scoop on that. So when I went to teach my own private lessons, I had a sense of, okay, here are the lesson policies. Like I knew how to, um, how to charge people effectively, um, how to deal with absentees and stuff like that. So I had it all, um, kind of worked out so that it was a very smooth transition when I decided to quit my cooking job and uh, become an independent piano teacher in Toronto. And that was fine for a while, but at some point I just kind of got sick of the idea of driving to people's houses forever. It took up a lot of my time and a lot of that time was spent driving, which I didn't mind. I mean, I listened to a lot of music and stuff, um, but it, it just felt like, okay, I could, I could actually like be doing more with this. Like it would be way better if I had my own home studio because then I could have students show up at my place. I'm not wasting all this time. I can teach more people. Um, it's just a better use of everyone's time. So the opportunity to move back to my hometown came up. So, uh, I took it and I had a home studio and ran that for a few years. The only reason really that I stopped teaching privately in my home studio is because I had a baby and I, uh, yeah, I took the whole first year off. And then after that, it just seemed really inconvenient to start teaching again in my own house with a, like a one-year-old roaming around. I couldn't just like kick her out of the house or anything like that. So after having a baby, it was kind of like, okay, let's see if I can figure out how to trans transition teaching piano in person to teaching it online, just as a, a way to um, make my schedule a little bit more flexible. I mean, I didn't have people that I was teaching at specific times anymore. For the most part, I could teach when I wanted to um, at random hours, uh, which was a way that I could work around um, my child. Because uh, daycare is typically in the daytime. It's not night care usually. And people take piano lessons at night, typically. Uh, kids, you know, they don't take piano lessons during school hours usually. So uh, it was just, yeah, it was kind of a, um, uh, a logical next step. Of course, I'll teach online. So somewhere while I had this home studio, I also decided, hey, you know what? I've been thinking about starting a YouTube channel for so long. Might as well do it. Let's just see what happens. Let's just like put up some piano teaching videos and uh, yeah, see what happens. Explore this YouTube thing. And the first couple years were pretty good. I mean, I didn't really um, actually pretty much never in the history of uh, piano TV have I advertised. Um, it's one of my great flaws as a um, as an entrepreneur is my uh, lack of marketing savvy and lack of desire or interest in marketing, something that I really have to push myself to do. But um, anyhow, it was uh, an interesting experiment. I was publishing videos every uh, like two to three times a week and like Many people who start YouTube channels, uh, young and optimistic as I was, and I don't know what age I was, but I was younger and more optimistic then, and starry-eyed, and I thought, oh, I'll get like a million subscribers, and then I'll make all of my money from YouTube advertisements, and that'll be great, because then I can teach through videos at my own schedule, uh, and YouTube's just gonna like throw money at me, throw the dollar bills in my direction. So 
doesn't really work like that. So even though I have um, like 100,000 subscribers, plus I think it's like 117,000 subscribers on YouTube now on Piano TV, um, that does not translate into like a livable income from YouTube ad, not even remotely close to that. Uh, not to mention like there's a lot of expenses that come along for the ride when you um, when you have a website, when you make videos, uh, when you have like an email service provider and all these things really add up. So I mean, at best, having a YouTube channel covers some of my expenses, but it is like far from being the maybe the the dream income. I mean, if I was Jenna Marbles or something, maybe, but that's uh, that's not the direction I wanted to go in. I guess um, decisions I've made along the way is I've thought about you know what if I make. Um, kind of cutesy piano videos that uh, are kind of like funny and are more entertainment based, um, that might get me more subscribers. Um, but I had a conflict with my sense of integrity about that because that's not what I envisioned the channel to be. I wanted the channel to be education. I wanted to teach people not only how to play piano, but also other things related to it, like um, like teaching history and stuff, which I'm, I love. I love um, music history, it's fun. Um, so if I started going down the road of getting more subscribers on YouTube by making more entertaining, punchy videos that uh, maybe didn't have as much uh, educational impact or on the other side of it, go really hard into the educational teaching, but spend a lot of money on making the videos, um, neither option seemed like a good idea. Um, throwing a bunch of money at video editing to make these like very fabulous videos, yeah, could be a way to get more subscribers, but um, it just seems like at this point anyway, I don't have the resources for that. I don't have the time or inclination for that. Um, and then on the other side of it, there's the, you know, I'm not just gonna, like my integrity kind of prevents me from just letting Piano TV be an entertaining channel where I'm doing all these clickbaity headlines and stuff like that. So I figured, you know what? If I am at 100,000 subscribers forever, and that's as big as it gets, and I never make a lot of ad money from YouTube, that's totally fine. That just means I, I had to kind of recalibrate my expectations. And it wasn't even, they weren't even my expectations when I started the channel in 2015. It was just kind of like a starry-eyed dream without really understanding the industry or the landscape. But at some point along the way, I've been... Uh, I created videos. I put up a bunch of content on my website. People started to trickle in and I started getting more subscribers. And in 2018, I was thinking, I was, I was like, you know what? I have a baby. Um, I don't have a private practice anymore because I'm being a stay-at-home parent for my baby's first year of life. And I don't really have a lot of income. Like there's not really a lot coming in from YouTube um, or, or Patreon or other uh, forms of income generation that I've, I've used. Like this is basically chump change now that I'm no longer doing uh, private lessons. So I was wondering, is there some way that I can be hanging out with my baby all day and do an online paid course. I didn't have a ton of subscribers at that point, but um, I, I thought that maybe the people who did subscribe to my channel might be up for kind of like a fun group class. And that's what I ended up putting together. And um, from that first group class, I, I learned, oh, hey, okay, I can actually earn money online without relying on, on Google Ads. I can rely on my own basically ingenuity, if you want to call it that, that feels a little big, um, basically my own content. I felt like there was something that felt much more aligned instead of trying to push for more views to get more ad money. Instead of going in that direction, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to create a course with like the best, uh, the best of me that I can think to give the best, um, information and all of that, that I, I can, uh, create. And, 
that uh, worked really well. So the first time I ever did that, I did 30 days of piano and um, I got a, a fair amount of subscribers and, and people who joined that course. And that was my kind of breakthrough moment when I was like, okay, this is actually money that um, could become a livable income. This, I, I could, I started to, I started to see a path, um, like a, like a path that didn't involve uh, going back to teaching private lessons, which seemed like it would be kind of complicated to maneuver. And I, I'd been interested in, in doing more with piano TV online. So I thought that was a, a really cool first step. I, I did that and I thought, okay, this isn't enough to live on, but this is pretty good for someone who's being a stay-at-home parent. And I think it's something that I could do more with in the future. So now that I'm a few years into that, so that was a few years ago when I did my first course, I've been slowly but surely finding a way to make piano TV my full-time venture. So my, my only business where um, at this point, I've made the decision not to teach any more private lessons, so I'm totally done with that, which is, it's tough because I like teaching private lessons on the one hand. On the other hand, it is a good, reliable, steady source of income. Uh, so the, the, there are challenges with, with not doing that anymore. But the, um, one of the things about being an entrepreneur that I've kind of learned to hate and appreciate at the same time is just the, the, it's a roller coaster. There is um, lots of instability in, in doing it. There is up times and there's down times. You don't get to, it's not like, uh, there's some like comfort and steadiness with showing up to the same job and getting the same paycheck. I used to do that when I was a piano teacher, um, at a music school and, uh, you know, in, in, whatever crappy jobs I used to work before that when I was much younger. So there's something that's nice and safe and cozy about like the steady paycheck that has not been my experience with running an online business. There are sometimes um, really big paychecks and sometimes basically nothing. So it's really unpredictable. Uh, for example, like COVID was unpredictable. I felt that um, in the second half of the, the year, my business uh, didn't do very well. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with, with COVID and people aren't spending money in the same way and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a ride. And I know that there are things that I could do to make it a little bit steadier um, options that I've been exploring, but it is not for the faint of heart. Uh, so that, that's one of the things that I've kind of learned is like, uh, it, it does often feel like a little bit of a roller coaster ride um, being an entrepreneur. Sometimes there's like uh, big wins. Um, so anytime I launch a course like I'm doing right now, I'm in the middle of uh, opening up a new class for a uh, beginners group. And there's, uh, it, it ends up being like two weeks of just like pure adrenaline where um, I'm I feel like I'm exercising my courage muscle all the time because I'm doing marketing, I'm doing promoting stuff. I hate, I'm not very, like I'm uncomfortable with it. It's not my favorite thing. I'm not very good at it. Uh, but at the same time, I want there to be enough people in the class that it ends up being a really good experience for everyone in the class. Um, so I kind of have to come out of my shell and uh, be a little bit more open, lay myself more vulnerable to rejection, uh, which also happens. And I do get the audio email here and there. Uh, so everything about kind of the, the process of, of launching a course is exciting because it's really cool to see um, people trust me enough to go on a piano journey with me. Um, but it's also pretty stressful because I'm really putting myself out there. I'm leaving myself open to criticism. If I'm just kind of like quietly publishing piano videos, um, it doesn't create much of a stir. Like I feel like that's, that's a lot simpler and uh, requires a lot less courage. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's totally, it's totally wild ride. So if you like, uh, 
every day not being the same and uh, never knowing really what to expect in terms of uh, revenue and things like that, then be an entrepreneur. At the same time, and I'm, I'm coming at this from a pretty early point. So 2020 was really the first year that um, I, I felt like I was making like a normal income, like equivalent to whatever my friends might be making with my online business. The first year out of five. So um, it took a while to get to that point. It's not that I hadn't earned income prior to that, but it was the first year that I was like, okay, this can be the only thing I do and I'll be fine. Um, or a, like close to being fine. So I am coming at this a little bit as a, as a newbie. Um, give my business another five years and hopefully I will be able to experience more stability and things like that. The the way that I teach and the way that I run my business is definitely going to be a lot different in five years in a way that I have no way of predicting at this point, but I just know that it will be. And I do hope it is more stable in the future, but I would, I would take the instability. Um, that is to me an okay trade for the benefits of being an entrepreneur. So like the worst parts about it. I mean, yeah, the instability, also the fact that since it's my business with my face on it, I do the videos, I do the courses. I feel very vulnerable sometimes because what if I don't do a good job or what if someone isn't happy with something that I do? Um, it's, it's all on me. Whereas if I was working with a team and it wasn't just me, just my face, if, it, if I was a part of some business that maybe didn't even have my face on it at all, it would be, I think, a lot easier to do. Um, to, it would feel less risky to do things like marketing, because when I when I send marketing emails, for example, I don't I'm very aware of the relationship that I have between someone who who is a follower. Um, whereas if I was just a random company, there's not really that same relationship. It's not like a human to human relationship. And it makes me uh, I, I get fearful of, of anything that might damage that relationship because I really what's most important to me is building trust. So I want to be like someone that someone else can trust, which is difficult on the internet. And, um, it's a fragile thing. So sometimes with, with, uh, any like, you know, promotional attempts and stuff like that, I I'm worried about, um, harming that very precious trust. So those are some of the, the challenges, but the upsides are amazing. So, um, if, you know, I can take a day, uh, I can, you know, if something comes up, I remember a few weeks ago, back before my city was on lockdown because of uh, COVID, um, again, I remember there was a random Monday where I just ended up getting to um, go out for lunch and uh, just have like a really nice, uh, fun Monday. Like it, it just felt like I got to take a day. Um, I did some errands. So it was like really boring stuff, but it was it's like little things like that, that I'm able to just decide, you know what? I have lots of work to do, but I can do it later. I can take this Monday and treat myself a little bit, have a little bit of time just for myself, maybe just like reading a book in a restaurant or something like that, uh, doing some errands and maybe I'll do some work in the evening. Just the ability to control my schedule and to decide, um, you know, I've, I've had friends who in the past have come into town and they're like, you know, I'm only in for one night. Do you want to come out to a bar at 10 PM? And then, you know, being able to freely stay out with them until two in the morning, chatting and catching up without um, feeling like, oh man, I gotta, gotta go to work at 7 a.m. and feeling like it's a crunch. Uh, so I feel like I'm able to have a lot more freedom of experience because of it, which is uh, 
a really, really precious thing. And the most precious thing of all is that it allows me to, most of the time, when I can leave my work alone, it allows me to totally disconnect um, and really spend the weekends with my daughter where it's just uh, us and I'm not on my phone and I'm not on my computer as much as possible. I mean, there's weeks here or there, but for the most part, um, it is really a blessing to be able to totally disconnect um, from, from work and just kind of choose also, like if there's, a snow day or if there's a sick day or things like that, I can, I can handle it. Like I, my schedule can adapt. It's not like the end of the world. Um, I can choose my own vacations. I could take a month long vacation if I wanted to, <laughs> um, not during COVID, but, uh, I, I'm not beholden to anyone else. And that is a very beautiful feeling, even though it comes with the cost of maybe uh, things being a little bit more stressful because there's more pressure on me to make all of these decisions. I don't have anyone helping with the decision-making the way um, if you were an employee or working with other people, that doesn't fall only on you. So, I mean, of course there's trade-offs, but um, it's been a really great road so far. Um, I'm gonna wrap this up. I feel like I could talk about a bunch of other things related to this and it's already getting pretty sprawling. Um, so I don't wanna take up too much more of your time, but. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you got something out of that, um, perhaps, and maybe we can talk more about entrepreneurship in the future. I'll catch you guys later.